Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, we have on our show today a very special guest. Not that all of our guests aren't special, but this one I go way back with. Today we're talking about the critical value of personal accountability. And on the air today, on he's calling in because he lives in Louisiana and there's no roads that get here from there. Kelly Talamo, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thank you, Jim, and it's a pleasure to be with you. (laughs) You say that now at the beginning of the show. I hope you feel the same, Kelly, when we get to the end. Well, you know what? I'm hoping I can say the same. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Kelly, you and I met, oh, gosh, I don't know. I can't remember the year that Bob Cater introduced the two of us, but it's at least eight years ago. And you came to our church, First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, and we're speaking to the men, really just about men and how to be a man of God. And you just did a great, it was a whole morning. It was part of your step-up uh, ministry program that you had set up, and it was a fantastic, first of all, a fantastic ministry model that still goes on today around the country and in other places that taken on your idea and going forward but just the way you're just you well you're just honest and you're in people's faces with the truth and that's what we like to see and so of course because i'm pretty much that way i think we're gonna have a great conversation today as a basis for our conversation though i always Uh ask every guest tell us about how christ has impacted your life well you know um i guess Gosh, like, without getting into all the details, because I know we went some 
questions we want to cover about accountability and purpose, but uh, uh, I'm glad you started where you did because the truth is I'm, I wouldn't even have a purpose, nor would I even want to be accountable if Jesus Christ had not invaded my life. So it was in 80, in 1980, my wife and I were um, happily married as far as we could be happy for five years. And I was running my own landscape company, and, and just the wheels were coming off. I was selling more business than I could actually service. <laughs> and so I said, I can fix this. I'll just sell more business. But it, it, God used that to just break me down. And uh, in a matter of two weeks, I'd, I'd encountered a man who shared Christ in the workplace. And I think that's why this your whole show, your whole mindset, the things that you're about, um, I gravitate to because I uh, just learned to live like that, that I didn't come to Christ in church, I didn't come to Christ, uh, I was raised Catholic and that was great, I knew all about Jesus, but there was a little air-conditioned man that in- I encountered on one of my jobs who started to share the gospel with me, and uh, I brushed him off for quite a few months, but the problem was we worked for the same builders, so everywhere I went, there he was. <laughs> and he was like a fly in a picnic. You couldn't get rid of him. You just shoot him away. So he was and turning then, up the he, he was turning up the heat on you, but talking but he, talking about how Jesus was the coolness of all life. Jesus was it. He changed my life. He changed my marriage. He changed my relationship with my son. Did I ever tell you about when? It was like, golly. And then one day I just got in his face and I said, look, I know all about Jesus. There's nothing you can tell me about him. I don't know. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I gave him the whole Apostles' Creed. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, you do know all about him. But you just don't know him like I know him. He's my friend. And I, for the first time in my life, was speechless. And so I went to church and uh, encountered a hundred Bible-believing people in a little double-wide trailer and heard the gospel clearly for the first time. And later that week, my wife and I accepted Christ together on May 1st, 1980. And what made me come alive, though, was um, I got around men, marketplace guys, guys who had a handle on the Word of God and brought me to the Word. And that's, that's basically it, Jim. It's, it's, it's not just coming to Christ. That's the start, and you have to start there. But coming to a place where you realize that your whole mindset has got to change and that you learn how to think differently, and only the Word of God can do that for a guy. That's for sure. But I love what you said, that you knew all about him. The church that you'd been to, the religion that you had learned taught you all about Jesus. You knew all about him, but you didn't know him. And that was really that was really the problem two thousand years ago when Christ walked on this earth. People knew all about the Messiah, but he was walking in front of them, and they didn't even know him. They missed him. They, they, in fact, they crucified him. I mean, they fulfilled scripture. But yeah, I just it's amazing. And, and I think that you know a lot of times in this show we get talking about topics that are you know, they're all about the workplace. They're all about you know incorporating Christ in our workplace, which that's fantastic. But let's just take a moment and just talk about the gospel for a minute because it's a simple. The good news of Jesus Christ is that there's hope for life. And that's what you experienced on May the 1st, 1980, right alongside your bride, is you found hope. Because Christ came to pay the price for our sins so that we would no longer have to live hopeless. And and that is so, 
you know, I, I lived a hopeless life. I, I was fortunate enough to come to Christ, really commit my life to Christ as a 13-year-old. But I lived a very hopeless life before then. I didn't. I I, had, I experienced all of the world, but I really didn't. It, it, it did nothing for me. And of course, I hadn't experienced as much as you had when you came to Christ. But I'm grateful for that. But the good news is that we don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. He's already paid the price for our sins. But we do have to. We have a decision to make. Who's going to be Lord of our life? Jesus Christ or ourselves? Who's going to pay the price for our sins? Jesus Christ or ourselves? And it's a choice. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God loves us so much that he died for us. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. You want to add anything to that? You certainly can. No, just just in um, a couple of just a couple of the clients I have, just extremely well off, well, uh, brilliant guys running companies. Great guys, got everything except hope, and uh, and I and I, I love being in their lives because um, I think I bring a taste of that hope. But that's all I can bring. I can bring a taste. I can point towards it. I can't. I cannot be their hope. Does that make sense? To you? It, it totally makes sense. Yeah, totally yeah. makes so, sense. So it's great, you know, some of the guys, they're, it's great when they're around me. They feel like they're, quote, doing better. <laughs> but but that, doesn't, I mean, that, doesn't, that doesn't last. I mean, what about when, I mean, I'm going to die. Let's just get that out of the way. And you, are you going to fire me? I'm ready, so, to, I'm uh, ready to go now. Let's go. I thought we had work to do for well, him. Let's well, we do. I work, I work for him, but when, I'm, when he's ready to take me, I'm ready to go. All right, it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Our book for this week that we're highlighting about accountability, and we're going to focus on marital accountability, is the Love Languages Devotional Bible. Here's the question. Are you and your spouse praying together? Are you and your spouse reading your Bible? If you're not praying together, if you're not spending time talking, and if you aren't reading your Bible together, get a copy of the Love Languages Devotional Bible. It'll help you read the Bible and also to enjoy some little snippets throughout the year about the five love languages and how to apply them to your marriage. To win the gift card, call to the studio line 855-265-2929. And remember, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Uh, we're back and in studio with Kelly Talamo. Well, he's remotely in studio, calling in from Louisiana. Where are you in Louisiana, Kelly? <laughs> I'm still cracking up from, from that jingle. Read the book, don't wait. You think you think I wrote no, I that song? That you know, is. A, do you know where that song came from? No, where? It's a Whiteheart song from the '80s, and it's all about reading the Bible. That back before anybody had done a great Bible movie, they came out with that song. Read the book, don't wait for the movie. And I, I've had that song in my head for 30 years. So <laughs> that is hilarious. I want to double the ante for you, though. If you get a caller in about the about the uh, the the book, the devotional book, I'm gonna I'm gonna match you with sending them one of my new books, The Truth About Money Lies. So, okay, fantastic. Yeah, all you, right, so, you just get, you get their address and I'll deliver it. All right, so you heard you heard the man right here on Inspiration AM 1110 WTIS, the I Work For Him show. Kelly Talamo will send you a book. I'll send you a gift card. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. Two for one day. Okay, Kelly, listen, you're a coach. You're not a counselor. Yeah. 
How are they different? Gosh, you know, coaching is like like nothing else out there. It's not mentoring. Um, mentoring is learning a skill from someone who is doing what it is that you want to do, which is which is great. Um, it's not teaching, although you will teach, just like you will mentor. A teaching is bringing something that someone has a uh, problem with and giving them information to fix it. So you'll do that sometimes. It's definitely not counseling. Counseling is more focused on a very specific problem where a person is perhaps underwater and they cannot move until this gets handled. And that is a gift, a special, a very special gift set that someone has. And, and sometimes it gets mixed up and I don't know how it is with you, but, but, um, being in a guy's ministry world for 15 years, I, there would be some conversations that would, I'd, with guys I would be totally energized by. I could spend a day with a guy and absolutely just be off the chart with energy. And then I could spend an hour with another guy and be totally drained. And I never really could figure out why that was. And it wasn't particularly the person. I love them equally. But what I realized was one guy needed counseling, and then, while another guy just wanted coaching. And the difference is coaching is taking someone who's already in motion towards something and helping them to clarify their goals and crystallize their mission and then be alongside them to help them take the next step. So you're helping guys, I mean, most of my clients are guys, you're helping guys work things out but you're not helping them to get over a specific problem, although for a while you may. So um, it's similar and it's easy to start counseling and there is a moment of counseling sometimes in every coaching client or every coaching life or even every a coaching session every once in a while. But it's not the lifeblood of, of what I do. It's a totally different skill set. And so I, could, excited, yes, go ahead. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, counseling is draining. And I'm not a licensed counselor on purpose because counselors are supposed to ask questions and, and help you lead. The, I'm just I'm like, I don't have enough time for this. You know what? You're being stupid. Just knock it off. Sorry. Sometimes I just get like that because counseling does. It drains you. And when you're supposed to lead people yeah. down the path, and sometimes people don't want to be led. They want to they want to wallow and have somebody just pay for them to lay on a couch. And I'm like, no. You know what? You are a Christ follower. You've been renewed. Stop. You're being stupid. And then I take the two by four out and I smack him. All right. So how does a coach. So that, that's, your, that's your exploitation gift, like kicking in, right? I mean. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah, you know, listen, stay out of, you're not going to make any money counseling. So <laughs> I will stay out of the counseling out. world. Don't worry, I will. I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> but coaching, but coaching is, is so energizing. And I'll tell you what I'm, I'm experiencing now, because the whole executive coaching thing, even though I've coached on and off for 15 years, just in the last two years have narrowed my, my focus to that specific activity of executive coaching, and I'll do some speaking. But what I've never experienced before now, Jim, is how when one of my clients takes an idea, or because it's really, it's his action item. I may have an idea, or we may agree on an action item, but when he goes out and does it and comes back the next week and says, nail that, that's done, that's freedom, whatever it is, I cannot tell you that is as 
energizing and as fulfilling to me with that one person on the phone as speaking to 5,000. And I never thought it would be like that, but it, truly it is. So it's, it's really, especially with a, belie- uh, a client that's not a believer, it's, you're just undercover with the Lord at all times because you're bringing good biblical principles to their life. You're just not giving them scripture references. At, at times, which, which is fine. You, you know, you, you need to take a breath in between your answers just in case you wonder, because I'm sitting here going, I, I got other things I want to say, Kelly, but I can't get in. Okay, so you got to give, give me a chance, because what you said there was so powerful, and, and you just mentioned that you speak, and, and I got to tell you, if there's somebody listening that ever wants a man to come speak to their men's group in their church, and or, or just a whole community, Kelly Talamo is fantastic in front of a crowd, because he mesmerizes people with stories and practical application. Absolutely fantastic. One of my favorites, really. And I don't go to hear a lot of people speak, but really enjoy the way Kelly moves the crowd. Kelly, how does a coach... You're you're very welcome. I don't say it. Kelly didn't pay me to say that. He didn't pay me to be on my show either. I asked him to be on my show. Kelly, how does a coach provide accountability? Well, accountability, gosh, when you called me and asked me about that particular topic, I thought, man, I don't know if there's anything more... I don't think there's anything more lacking or more needed in, mm. in an individual's life, especially when we're just, you know, let's just talk about guys. I mean, we are, I mean, we're, we're driven towards creating isolation and being removed or in um, autonomy. I mean, um, but and independence, I mean, isolation, independence, autonomy, however you want to frame it up. We work our whole lives to get it right. I mean, that's why we want to, "Quote unquote financial freedom," because we want to be free to do what we want when we want, uh, wherever we want. So, accountability. What coaching does is, in every action item, um, someone is going to check on you. Someone is going to say to you, "Hey, listen, this is what you agreed that we want. You want to go, right? So, if you want to go there, I'm going to have to ask you about this." And so, so there you are. All of a sudden, <laughs> someone has agreed to go to a place they have not gone before. And people will rarely go to new places unless they know they're going to be accountable for it. Because so it's easy. It's, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy like, to yeah. avoid those places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, may, it may be, they may go to a place they, they, they don't. Hmm. All right, they so. don't need to go, yeah. But it's, I'm talking about a, a place where you change. Right. So, yeah, so accountability is coming alongside of a person and saying, hey, listen, you're here, and you said you wanted to be there. There's the gap. Now, would you let me speak to that particular gap in your life? And right. if the answer is yes, now you have permission. Right. You, have, you, have to, you have to have permission to speak. So are you trying to help people find balance in their lives then? Because, you know, it seems like you're trying to, you're coaching executives and executives tend to run completely out of balance. They tend to work too much, not spend enough time with their wives or their husbands. They don't spend enough time with their families. They spend too much time making money, never spending it. I mean, is that what you're trying to do, helping them find balance in their lives? Balance, um, Balance is so elusive. I think the word I shoot for is trying to find rhythm in their life rhythm being if i if this is the type of life that i want to live you start with the end in mind that's just an old covey principle you know and seven habits of highly successful people you can go back to the 80s and and covey nailed that start with the end in mind if this is the life i want when i close my eyes is this even let's just bring it to a more up-to-date terminology what what story do i want told about me when I die, I mean, they're going to tell 
everybody's going to tell one, right? <laughs> so, so, okay, now I have a chance now to write a script right now in the middle of this of my life. I have a chance to write a script so that the story ends well. Kelly, before I let you speak, I just want to, when we were going through that Proverbs for Business segment that Martha was reading for us, she mentioned four things that were key to that mentor, to that person that's holding you accountability. She talked about somebody that was of maturity or spiritual maturity, somebody that had extensive business experience so you could learn from them, not only spiritually, but also in business. Then she also mentioned some similar personality. I don't know if I agree with that one, because <laughs> there's not very many people like my personality, but also the same sex, so that nothing... Well, just you, men should be mentoring men, women should be mentoring women. It doesn't work the other way around. What do you think about those qualifications? I thought that actually, I thought they were really good. I mean, I do have some ladies that I coach, but I only coach ladies that are inside of a company that I'm I'm in. So I don't take it on uh, separately like that. I, I, I thought they were. I thought they were. I thought that was a good one, actually. By the way, and my mentor who coached me, same thing. Um, the older person, I mean, that's that's not hard to do when you're becoming old. So <laughs> you're always going to be the older person. <laughs> and uh, but I think I think the key, though, uh, since you want to drill down on accountability, is, yeah. is to find a person. Like you can't be accountable to someone for everything. So I have different people that I go to for different things. So find a person that I think, as the commercial said, and, and uh, that's wise in a particular area. And, and and leverage that particular person for that particular area. But at the end of the day, it's going to come back to a relationship. Mm, I agree. All right, before the break, we were talking about the difference between balance and rhythm, and then also I challenge you, what, what's it, I mean, if, if you're going to be in a rhythm, is that the same as routine? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, just just to dis- distinguish the two real quick, balance is, is if you look it up, it's the dis- distribution of weight enabling someone or something to, to remain steady. And so in balance, we're always like, I got to spend more time with my wife, so I'll run over here and do that. I'm working too much, so I got to spend some time over here, or I'm not spending enough, you know, so it's that constant juggling match. And I don't know if a, if a, if a balance, continual balance is attainable, because life is so fluid, right? A rhythm, on the other hand, is, is a systematic arrangement of things. It's a pattern, a repeated movement. So if you look at the rhythm God set up with creation, six days he worked and on the seventh day he rests. That's a clue right there. Yeah, that's, that's not balanced. Rhythm. That's not balanced because you got six of one and one of the other. So that's not balanced. It's, it's not balanced, but it is a rhythm. And so you know how it is when you when you work way too much you know that there's something, there needs to be a replenishment. But the seasons, everything has a rhythm. Seasons have a rhythm. We have a life cycle. There's a rhythm to it. I mean, so I, I, what I do with my clients is we try to establish a rhythm, and I, I don't know what your rhythm is, but a tr- establish a rhythm that will help them get where it is they say they want to go. So the That's rhythm is going to help them get where they say they want to go. Correct. So if if one of your goals is to have a, a strong, healthy marriage, okay, so what have you plugged into your daily routine that's going to begin to get you close to that? What will it look like? Because you, you won't drift into one, right? 
No, that's that's right. It. And if they if if there are people out there asking that question today, if they want to get their marriage, you know, what do they want to do? They should sign up for the marriage retreat cruise. Telling you, that's going to be fantastic. I know we've that, that, that did sound great, by the way. It's was, it's going to it's going to be fun. We've had a great time in the years past, and this is our second one on the on the waves. All right, so how do you know if somebody's ready to be coached? Because I'm sure you get approached by a lot of people. How do you know if they're ready? Another great question. Where do you get the great questions? Jim? God like gives them that. to me. <laughs> <laughs> you quit. You're quick. No, it's true. Uh, I'm too. Uh, I'm not near as smart as you are, so I have to work I, at this, and I just got to pray. I said, Lord, give me the right questions I can ask, so we can have some, so we can have some fun on the air. And I loved I loved the rhythm thing because we had that. We talked about that in our conversation as we're prepping for today. But I, I, the reason I asked this question on how do you know if somebody's ready to be coached? Because I'm I'm one of those people. If somebody says, "Hey, Jim, I'd really like you to spend some time with me." Those words freak me out because I don't have a lot of extra time. And so, about four years ago, I had a I had a who's now a guy that's not a, now a friend. His name is Robert Smith, good friend of mine now. He came to me and said, "Jim, I really need to be coached. Really need a coach and a mentor." And I just said, to him, "Listen, I'm really busy. So, you know, I'm if we gonna if we're gonna do this, you got to make sure you're really serious about it. Because if I'm gonna give you my time, I want to make sure you're taking this seriously." And I said, "If you're not, don't bother calling me back." I said, "But if you're serious, you call me back." And he called me back. We've been working on it for four years. It's been been incredible. What an incredible experience for me, and I think for him, uh, just awesome. But it was that's my approach. Probably not the best business approach, but you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you well, know? Okay, well, people will come to you to be coached either because they they want more of something they don't have. That's the key. They want more of something. Sometimes they want to help you to help them get more time in their schedule or they want to make better decisions uh, or they want to make more money to make better decisions to make more money uh, they want to have more free time they, they're coming to you for they want more of something that they do not have or less of something that they know they shouldn't have so mm-hmm. they'll look for some help in, in, in a particular area so I think the key is like what, what is the tripwire what's the trigger for a person and is I look for a person who I know wants to change. Mm. And, and so, you know, the scripture tells us that for God is at work in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So we know God gives us power to change. But as a Christian, it's even better than that. He actually gives us the will to change what we might not want to change on our own. But what I have to do is I have to get that surfaced in front of someone whatever that thing is. And so I look for people who really want to change. And they know they're on the move. You see, they're not stuck. Uh, and, they're, and, and, and they're not overloaded. And if they are overloaded, if they are overloaded, the first move is, would you, we have, because we can't, increase, we can't increase energy. We only have so much energy. Right. So we can't give a person any more time. So we have to increase capacity. And sometimes that is, are you willing to let go of some things? And by the way, it's harder for people to let go of things to free up time than it is to take on new things. Mm. But as a, as a friend of mine said, when a guy's drowning, 
you don't hand him a ten pound weight and ask him to hold it. <laughs> you know, well, you you give him a hand. You got to have a help help a guy out. That's right. You and make sure. Then the key word there was friend. That's right. You don't hand a friend a ten pound weight. But I, I think that that's normally the people that I know that are really ready to be coached is when they've gotten to a point in their life where they've done the same thing over and over again, and it keeps bringing them down, or they get the exact same result. Which that's what happens when you do the same thing over and over again, and they're at the end of their rope per se, whether it's in their marriage relationship, their work relationship, their their relationship with their children, and they know that there's something's got to change. And they're like, I need some wisdom from somebody. And, and the accountability part is, I know that I won't do this on my own and stick to it, so I need somebody that's going to hold me accountable to make these changes. And I think Kelly can do it. I think Jim can do that for me. So those, and, and a lot of times they're like, I, I'm I've beside myself. And I need something's got to change. Something's got to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the accountability factor, if you to sum it up in a sentence, like if you ask me, what is accountability to me? I think the best way to describe it, Jim, is, is accountability is relational leverage. It's leveraging a relationship with a person to help you move something that you cannot or haven't been able to move by yourself. It's that leverage principle that Archimedes said, give me a lever and I'll move the world. So you got the fulcrum, with a fulcrum you can move a rock. The relationship is the fulcrum. All right, so account you got you got when you say really great stuff, Kelly, you gotta give a chance for it to soak in. Accountability equals relational leverage. That's huge. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Because a lot of times people are thinking, well, I need to get this, this, and this done, and Kelly's going to hold me accountable to make sure I get this, this, and this down. And that's not what accountability is. It's relational leverage where a relationship is formed between two people, and out of respect for that other person, mm-hmm. I'm allowing myself to be moved by God, to be changed by God, to have my paradigm shifted by God. Right. And so if I'm, re- if I'm accountable to you as my friend, and I know that not doing this, I, I have to face you. Sometimes it's just the knowledge that I'm going to face you Thursday morning at 8 o'clock. And I'll, uh, 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 I just do it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'll just do it because doing it is easier than facing you having not done it. Does that, does that make sense? Yep, it does. All right, we're going to have to take a break. And Kelly... Why is accountability so hard? Why do people resist being held accountable? I, I know it's the dumbest question in the whole world, but I'm going to ask it anyway so that people are going, oh, yeah, that's right. Why is this so hard? I think, it's, I think one of the reasons it's so hard is because it guarantees the fact that I can't play God. <laughs> I love that. It's our sin nature going, yeah, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. But I know I need to change, but I'm going to need somebody else to help me. And so it's admitting I, you can't, you are powerless. You're powerless without God. No. Well, that's um, not quite how I said it. Okay. Well, no, it's fine. Okay, it, go it, ahead. No, no. It, 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 well, it does. It does. It, well, actually, it, it, admits that it, it, it actually admits that I'm powerless without people. Okay. Okay. I don't. And as as an as an as an entrepreneur, as a person that wants to be autonomous, I don't even want to admit that. But past that, if I if I let if I'm held accountable to you for my own life uh, or any aspect of it, it ensures that I cannot play God in that area of my life. 
That's <laughs> why I need people. Because you know what? I want to do my thing my way and deceive myself into thinking I won't answer for it. So to, here's the, to me the biggest hook is, since we all have to give an account one day, right? We will give an account, as the scripture's clear, you will give an account for all the deeds you have done in the body, whether good or bad. Everybody always focuses on the bad ones, I don't know why, but he is going to bring the good ones to light. The reason we focus on the bad ones is because we have, we have stuff that we hide. Well, if that's true, if I'm going to face Christ one day and give an account, shouldn't I be practicing on earth? That's what accountability is. It's hmm. practicing for that day that I'm going to face Jesus Christ. That was intense. I, I, I like that. You know, I, I think really the, the accountability, and for, for me, it's, I want, I love the idea of accountability because for me, it, I know that other people are going to ask me the tough questions to make sure that I'm staying on the, on, on the narrow road. I'm going to make sure that I, I love the people are going to ask me, and I know that people are looking and going, okay, well, if Jim is doing it, then it must be okay because Jim has really high standards. That's one of the reasons why I don't drink. There's a lot of people drinking. There's nothing biblical that says you don't have to drink, that, you, that drinking is anti-biblical. But there's a lot of people whose lives get screwed up by drinking. And so I just don't drink because I don't want people to look at me and go, well, Jim drinks, so I can drink. Because they'll take, you know, if I had a little sip of wine, they'd drink the keg. Oh, they don't have kegs of wine. Okay. They'll, the case of wine, whatever it is, they'll drink it out of the box. Anyway, I'm a little off subject. But, you know, the accountability, it's so powerful. And, and I love your idea of that we're going to report our accounts to Christ. I think that's great. You know, but a lot of people... No, I only just ask this. What makes accountability so powerful then? Because really, when I look at how there's lots of accountability groups out there, there's there's Bible study groups, there's you know connection groups at church, or you want to call them your small group Bible study. What I think is so powerful about them is that you know the people are watching, and they're and their people are going to ask you questions. And, and what I have seen is the pattern of people avoiding accountability. We're in a small group at our church. I taught a small group for 10 years, about 50 couples in it, ranging from 30 to 50, depending on the Sunday. And when people didn't want to be held accountable anymore, they stopped showing up. And they'd call you and say, well, we're busy. Things are going on. Kids are in sports. But they'd remove the accountability from their lives so they had freedom to go do the, to sin. They had freedom to go sin the way they wanted to. They didn't want to be held accountable anymore because they know as long as they weren't going, nobody was going to ask them the questions. And you could call them and ask them the questions. They make up an excuse. And on, the unfortunate part is that people remove accountability from themselves. Eventually, they do succeed in getting to sin all they want to sin. So, it's. I mean, I think you just proved the point. We're as accountable as we choose to be. Period. Mm. Okay. But, but let's just make it clear. Being in a group does not make me accountable. It just gets me in a group. In <laughs> what do you fact, mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? If well, I'm in a group, come on. Well, because I have the I have the T-shirt. If I'm in an accountability group, I mean, I've just been in a lot of them where I was, I was not as accountable as I needed to be because I'm only as accountable as I choose to be. So, actually, I had cover. It's almost like the safest place for me was in the accountability group because we didn't define clearly what it was we were going to be held accountable for. So the, the hard questions don't get asked. But in a coaching relationship, we define, maybe it's because it's paid, but it doesn't <laughs> have to be that right. It doesn't have to be that way. But, in, but, in a, but that's part of it, though, because you know this yourself. In, in church world, what we do in church world, we just assume the best character. 
We assume. It's like, oh, he goes to our church, so here's his card. He must be a good roofer. He goes to the church. It's like, <laughs> no. Is he a good roofer? I don't know. Um, but, so the, because somebody pays me, though, um, I'm, now I'm accountable to them as well. So it, it makes you clarify things on the front end. And you can be just as, a, in a, as accountable in an in a, in accountability group but not without clarity on the front end. I, 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 like the, I like the clarity thing. The def, it wasn't defined. So in other words, you can go be a man in a man's Bible study and tell your wife, listen, I'm being held accountable. I'm going to a guy's Bible study group. But you could go in there and have all kinds of issues that aren't being dealt with. But because accountability wasn't clearly defined, there's not everybody's not going around the room going, hey, uh, here's, here's how I want to be held accountable. They can get away with just yeah. doing whatever because nobody's asking them the tough questions. Right, because generically you're under the flag. You got, you got, you're in an accountability group, so you must be covered. <laughs> you're carrying the flag of accountability. I like that. That's pathetic. It's terrible, but that's true. Because I, never, I, I, never I, underestimate the power to deceive yourself, Jim. That, the power to deceive myself and others. I think you know because yeah. because I've seen I've seen guys who were deacons who were deacons in the church who were leading Sunday school classes who are having affairs and nobody's asking him because they're assuming because he's a deacon and a Sunday school teacher he must be good, but the church wasn't holding him accountable and and his life imploded because of his sin life and it cost him his marriage and his children. It's just like we accountability is powerful yeah. it's powerful and, yeah. the, and the church yeah. the church needs to understand the value of accountability we don't any we don't do church discipline anymore do people ever get called out at church i i don't know it, i don't even think they do I, anymore I, I, I don't know i know when i came to christ mary and i the church we were in they exercised church discipline and i tell you what we were, we were better for it i'll just say that it's i know it's awkward i mean it, it is <laughs> Period. It's well, awkward. Nothing you, it's nothing you wake up wanting to do. That's right. But, uh, hey, before we run out of time, I want to talk more about yeah. Kelly Talamo. I really want to talk okay. about who's a great coaching client for Kelly Talamo. I know you said you were really busy, but it's always good to advertise and, and look for more opportunities to... All right. Well, we've lost Kelly for a minute there, but we're waiting for uh, uh, Kelly to come back online. I want to tell you that Kelly told me right now he's got a lot of clients, but he's looking for more. He's looking for clients for businesses that are interested in taking their business to the next level. They're interested in people that he's looking for uh, CEOs that really want to be held accountable. They're looking for CEOs that are interested in a challenge and taking it to the next level. So it's important that, I mean, if you're interested in getting a hold of Kelly, I'll have his contact information on Facebook. I got Kelly Talamo back online. But did it, <laughs> you're from Louisiana, so did an alligator eat your phone line or what? I mean, I'm sitting under the most gorgeous set of oak trees, live oak trees that you'd ever want to see. It's breathtaking. I have no idea what happened. It was, it so, was, invis- it must have been an acorn hit you on top of that. All right, Kelly, well, I got to close out the show, but what I was telling people is how you're looking for, well, just in, in 15 seconds, tell us what kind of client you're looking for. Two kinds of client an executive who wants to develop in some area of their life or business, that's one, or a young person who wants to learn how to lead men in, in a study. That's a whole different client group. And the best way to get me is, right now, is www.menstepup.com. Or email me at kelly at ktalamo at mac.com. 
And I will have all of that on my Facebook page tonight. Oh, there you go. All right. So as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, again, just talking about the marriage retreat cruise. If you dream about getting away with your sweetheart and spending some romantic time together and want to invest in your marriage, you need to sign up for the marriage retreat cruise now. We're running out of time. The cruise is in February, the 5th through the 9th, 2015. But you got to get signed up now or we're going to lose our incredible discounted rate uh, with... Uh, Royal Caribbean. $1,040 is all expenses paid. Check it out on our website, iWorkForHim.com. On tomorrow's I Work For Him show, we're going to be continuing our discussions about accountability. Martha and I are going to be talking about the critical value of marital accountability. You don't want to miss this. This is something we see the value of each and every day, and we also see the damage that's done when there isn't accountability. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in the workplace. So you got to ask yourself, are you a Christ follower? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've allowed Christ to come and be the Lord of your life? This is the first step in the I Work For Him process. Email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, if you want to talk more about what does it mean to be a Christ follower. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.